Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hoover. And today I am here with Elena Sorrentino. Um, I'm really excited to just hear your story. We actually met on TikTok and um, you definitely stood out to me. um, And I'm really looking forward to just hearing your story and kind of getting a better grasp of who you are. I'd love for you to just kind of introduce yourself. It looks like you also kind of have a platform as well that you're using, which I think is really beautiful and super awesome. So I'd love for you just to, yeah, share a little bit about a little bit about that so we can kind of understand a little bit more of who you are. Absolutely. Um, so I am a pediatric speech therapist. I did start a social media platform Um, kind of in the peak of while everything in my life was absolute chaos. And the first video that I posted got over 3 million views. So I kind of just took that and rolled with it. Yeah, It has turned into something that has been, I mean, so incredible in terms of not only just being able to share what I know about my job as a speech therapist, but also being able to make connections like this um, that I could have never imagined uh, possible. Yeah. Isn't that so crazy how like you take a step and you pursue something maybe like it's like, you know, through TikTok and then it just explodes and it really does open up so many different avenues for you to connect with different people, which I think is really amazing. And I love that about social media. It is so cool just to see the back end of how everything works. And like you said, being able to connect with people and just be able to form these kind of relationships with people that, you know, you probably haven't even met before, but you obviously have either something in common with them or can relate to something, uh, which is awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And obviously there's, I think, negative aspects to social media as well. TikTok can be, I don't know, a very brutal place. People are very unhinged on there, I've noticed, but um, it's also, yeah, it can be a really, uh, neat space to just connect, uh, with others. And so I am really looking forward to getting into your story. Um, today, I always kind of start with this initial question, which is, um, how did you meet that person? Um, I'd love for you kind of just to share, yeah, where it started, how you guys met and then how long the relationship was for. Yeah. Um, so we actually met during on hinge during the peak of the COVID lockdown um, in winter 2021. 
I, at this point, I was just finishing all my coursework for my grad program and there was quite literally nothing else in the world to be doing besides being on a dating app and kind of playing around with your location. Mm-hmm. Uh, I called it virtual vacations. It was, <laughs> it was quite literally the only entertainment I had during COVID. Um, but the relationship lasted from like February ish to October of 2021. Okay. Okay. Um, can you describe how the relationship was early on in the beginning? Uh, in the beginning, it was literally the absolute best thing you could have ever imagined. Uh, I hadn't really ever been shown that kind of attention before. And it was definitely scary because it was so new and so foreign to me. But mm-hmm. it also brought a ton of positivity and joy and excitement to my life that not only I was was I missing from being in a grueling grad program for the past two years, year and a half. Um, but it was so fun just figuring out that this is what things are supposed to be like. And this is what I was kind of missing out on by not really having been in relationships beforehand. Um, there was a lot of moments of, you know, I can't believe that this is happening and this is almost too good to be true. I never knew that I could find someone that was like so great. Um, and just someone that I could truly be my self around and mm-hmm. know that that was accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was just absolutely incredible. And I, I couldn't imagine anything ever being able to be better than that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said something here in the outline that I really think stands out to me. You said, uh, Where'd it go? You said he accepted all of me until he accepted none of me. Yeah. (laughs) Which I think is really profound. And can you, I guess, can you dig into that a little bit for me? Like, obviously we're going to hear more of your story and kind of grasp uh, where the abuse starts and how it continues to sort of snowball. But I think that's really an interesting sentence because, I mean, when you meet someone online, typically the things that you are looking at are literally just like who they, who, how they look physically. And then the charisma of somebody, if somebody's Mm -hmm. not charismatic and they're just boring, like you're not going to probably continue to interact with them. And there's so many different options that you're just going to like swipe left or just like you know, connect with somebody else. And that's kind of just that. And all you kind of really have to work on is charisma and looks until you really get to know them. And we don't really know the character of somebody and anybody could say literally anything on a profile and it not actually be who they are, which is like, I mean, online dating, I do it. It's riveting. It's also absolutely terrifying at the same time. Yep. (laughs) Wildly exhausting. Uh, because there's just so many, so many different types of, of people on there. And yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I'm curious just to know what you mean by that sentence. It was kind of just like, we, I mean, things definitely moved very quick between us within the relationship. Um, but it was just, you know, kind of thinking back upon things, everything that he used to either compliment me about or, really enjoy about me as a person 
were all things that he ended up using against me after the abuse started, whether that was my looks or the way that my brain worked or how dedicated I was to my career, whatever it was that he used to compliment and praise me about and accept me for, even if I was working, you know, harder than I should have been working on something or putting in all of my time and effort to something, um, in the beginning, you know, I'd be praised for being such a hard worker or, you know, being really dedicated to wanting to learn more or do better, um, turned into either fights or him using that as a way to kind of swing it into a negative aspect of how horrible I am for focusing so much on work or my career or myself instead of focusing on him hmm. or the relationship. How did that impact you? What were you thinking going from like one pendulum from it swinging from there all the way to like the complete opposite? It was so confusing. I had no idea what was going on. I I constantly caught myself just being so confused about how these things that I used to get complimented for and praised for and things that he would say how much he liked about me are now being used against me in every single conversation that we had that it made me question whether or not I was actually doing the right thing by putting in the extra hours for work or by doing things for myself, like attempting to work out or anything that I would do. I was just constantly questioning if I should be doing it, mm-hmm. knowing that it would probably get used against me later on. Do you feel like because it was so like magic in the beginning that when this transition happened do you feel like because it was like that very just easy best thing in the world kind of feeling that it was harder to believe that this could be this person that was this type of way like did you just what were you does that make sense what I'm saying absolutely yeah absolutely it was hard to believe that that something that amazing could turn into this Mm -hmm. and I was constantly thinking that I did something wrong and that it was my fault that it had turned into this. And that if I did better or did what he was saying all the time, it could get back to that because I knew that we were capable of being so good like that. And he would say it all the time, you know, we're capable of this amazing thing. You know, we're meant for each other. All of those things that you just kind of say. Um, But obviously he didn't mean any of it. And so I was constantly thinking, you're right, it is my fault that it, it, I'm the reason why this relationship now sucks. I'm the reason for all of these problems. Mm-hmm. I need to figure out how I can change to make it back to what that was. Right. And I think something just as a side note that for those listening or even, I mean, for you, um, something that I really like that I've learned in the last six months or so is that there's a lot of fear when it comes to dating in general, because it's a very vulnerable place for our hearts to be seen, to be loved, to realize the risk of losing that love or, you know, going, I think one of the craziest things about love is going from complete strangers to then being so enmeshed 
in each other's lives to then when you break up strangers again and Mm -hmm. it's this very complex thing but also one of the most beautiful things ever and it's scary in, in in and of itself to fall in love but then when you have a situation where somebody is not what they said that they were and you're like mind fucked then it's even scarier to date or like you reflect and you backtrack in your mind and internally thinking what did i miss um and something that i learned in the last 6 months is this phrase like um you didn't know the information that you needed to know and so sometimes all you can really do is work off of the information that you know and then once you gather more information about that person just because somebody is a certain type of way in the beginning and you naturally are going to fall for that person because that's the information you have. But once that information changes, then we're able to come face to face with the information that we have. And it's like the present information is he is using these things against me. He is not the way that I thought he was. And even though in the beginning, initially I thought he was like this, that was all the information I had at that point. I didn't have this information yet. And I really liked that because it, it helps me when I'm dating now. Um, like I do online dating as well, um, at this point and I will like interact with somebody, connect with them. And then as even just brief conversations happen, I start to gather more information and I'm like, oh, like, I actually don't want to do this at all. I don't value these things. And so I just really liked that. It's something really simple. Obviously, you're just going to learn somebody and it changes and and transitions. But sometimes you just don't have enough information to really know somebody. But then once you do have that information, it doesn't matter how great they are or how much smoke they blew up my butt. Like it doesn't mean they're going to be that person. And once I have that information, I can then base my decisions off of that. I just really liked that. I don't know if that helps. I love that. No, I love that. I think that is awesome. Um, I think, I think what you do with that information is also super important because there was a lot of times in this where I definitely knew the information, but I didn't do what I would have done now. Um, and so just being able to take that information and use it uh, to help you moving forward and to really help you decide, is this something that you want to continue either learning more about, or is this something where you're like, I have enough information. I'm done. See you later. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I would, I think a lot of us, like we beat ourselves up because we're like, damn it. Like I, I just don't know why I didn't see it. Or like, well, he, but he was, he was like so into me and now he ghosts me. Like, I just don't get it. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, you just didn't have enough information back then. And I'm like, oh, there's like just so much um, grace in what we don't know. Um, and being really real with that and recognizing that, of course, you're going to be over the moon about somebody who's over the moon about you, who you have a chemistry and a connection with. Um but it's scary for sure. Like just reading the outline and listening to that flip. Um, at that point when he was, when he had switched was, had you guys met in person yet? Yeah. Okay. How was yeah. that? When you guys first met in person. It was great. It was, that's when you were, is that when it was the best thing in the world? Yeah. It felt like, I mean, the second that we met in person, it was very quick when we started talking 
we got off the app pretty quick. He started FaceTiming me. Um, he was traveling a little bit for whatever reason, even though everything was shut down. I was just finishing up part of my grad school program. And so I didn't have any time really outside of school. And mm -hmm. so the second I finished my like clinical placement, that Friday night, we like met in person for the first time. And since then, pretty much spent every weekend together, every time we could. I was commuting from the suburbs to the city constantly to come down and see him and spend time with him. And it just felt like it felt like we had known each other for way longer than we did um, just from the start, which was a really weird feeling at first, but kind of comforting, but also scary at the same time. Right. Not knowing why I all of a sudden want to spend all of my time with this essentially stranger. Mm. Um, but it was it was just so much fun and exciting. And he kind of introduced me into to his life and his friends and his life in the city pretty much right away, uh, which was just a ton of fun. Right. Can you tap into the second paragraph of how the relationship was in the beginning where it starts with the excitement into your life? Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, he definitely, he, I mean, he brought so much of that excitement into my life. Um, it definitely seemed a little bit too perfect at times and things were really easy with him, but I could just be myself and knew that that wasn't going to change the way that he thought or the way that he felt about me, which was, it was very foreign to me. It was so new. Um, he made me feel things that I had never felt before. And I was so lucky to be with him. His friends would comment that I was so perfect for him and how great we were together. And I kind of felt honored by that. Um, it it was an incredible feeling getting that almost stamp of a, approval from his friends, especially mm -hmm. since I was I was just meeting them too. So it was forming relationships with them as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that also made it even harder to realize how bad things were when I was surrounded by people saying how great we were together. And trying to convince myself that that was true when, you know, behind closed doors, that was absolutely not true. Damn. That's, yeah, that's really powerful. That whole sentence, like, you're surrounded by people saying how great you are together. And you're trying to convince yourself that that was true when deep down you knew that it wasn't. I think that that really is interwoven in, in our own lack of trust for our intuition. Um, and I talk about this a lot, like in the writings I do in the podcast, like we talked about it just on mama Monday episode that we aired today. Like, uh, many of us have been very, con I think I personally believe very conditioned in not being able to communicate how we feel about things or when we have like a lack of distrust for our own intuition it can be easier to rely on others and what they think about the situation and I call this like polling like p-o-l-l-i-n-g like we will pull for people's opinions 
when we need reassurance that we are going in the right direction. And it sounds like that was just kind of like freely given to you. People were encouraging you that this was a great relationship for you. But internally, you had this little alarm that was going off and something wasn't right. But because people were approving of that and also setting this almost this like this tone that like you were, I don't know, it almost seems like you were like lucky to be with him or something like Mm-hmm. Wow, like he's you guys are so great together like it's an honor really I mean if it's the right person and his community thinks that you're a great fit that's an honor like it's a privilege to be in people's lives and so it's like but at the same time that little voice that was knocking nudging at you it's challenging to tune into that when we have been conditioned to kind of go along with just go with the flow, just like, don't make a big deal about things, or maybe you're just overreacting or overthinking or expecting too much, or you're just in your head, but your intuition is so strong and your body sends you signals and signs. And when we learn how to tap into that, which I don't think many of us have learned to do, I don't think that's a conversation that has been had for many of us, honestly, to learn how to understand what our bodies are saying to us, then it's it's easier to kind of ignore that or almost excuse it as something something else we're excusing our own feelings excusing our own body and not honoring it and it's even harder when people approve of something and you're like mm, i don't know like something just i don't know are we are we are we not something just kind of feels a little off or you know absolutely yeah i mean especially as someone who i have been a people pleaser pretty much my entire life um hearing this approval from them was everything a people pleaser wants to hear. Mm. And so it made it even harder to listen to, I mean, any of the signs that my body was telling me. And there were, there were plenty. I mean, a couple months into the relationship, I'm, I'm getting an MRI and I have never had to experience something like that before. And just ignoring every single sign possible Mm. just because in the outside, I was getting all of this approval and constantly thinking, you know, this, this is what it's supposed to be. You know, I, like you said, I'm, I'm being overdramatic. I, I know that I, it's my fault. I can make it back to what it was. I'm overreacting about whatever it is. You know, everyone's right. We are perfect together. All of that. Uh, when reality that, that absolutely wasn't the case. And you know, my body was absolutely telling me things that I should have been, you know, listening to. Yeah. Um, when did you notice that something was wrong? Um, we went on a vacation together way too early for a couple to be going on a relationship on a, on a vacation together. Uh, and I noticed stuff kind of pop up while we were there um he was he was acting very strange and just got really rude and disrespectful about things that were so little um and while we were in public and then once we got back to our room is when he really exploded and was calling me names I've never even heard of he was throwing his phone against the wall and ended up breaking it and was just it was honestly just scary seeing 
that side of him over something that was so little and didn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next day he was he was blaming for blaming me for it, saying how he won't continue to date someone uh, disgusting and how high of standards he holds for his girlfriends and how people in his past have ruined him because what they've what they've said about him and done to him and how much his dad is going to hate me if I do the same thing to him, which was just incredibly bizarre. Yeah. It was, it was such a weird, like what it was. So I don't know why he brought his dad into this and why, I mean, I'd never even met his dad at that point. I didn't even know what his name was. Yeah. Um, which was just weird. Can I ask you, you, uh, what was the situation? Like what happened? What was the small thing? We were talking to someone in like the lobby. It was like a, like an all-inclusive resort. So at night, everyone like hung out like in the lobby area. Right. And someone started talking about traveling and they mentioned Australia and asked if we'd ever been. And I said, yes, because I had studied abroad in Australia and he absolutely blew up because he thought that only the scum of the earth study abroad and how disgusting people are that go and study abroad and how trashy it is and how all they do is hook up with people while they're on these trips and pretend like they're in a different world. And it was just incredibly bizarre because that's not what I did. Right. Um, And I told this woman, I was like, yeah, like I did go to Australia. I lived there for seven months and she was kind of talking to me about it. And he got back to the hotel room and was just so disgusted by me Uh because I admitted that I had been there. That is like just so bizarre. Like it was so weird. Weird. So weird. I was like, what is going on? And like the amount of arguments that he started after that about studying abroad or traveling and, you know, opening up the door to, well, we're traveling right now. If I wasn't here with you right now, would you be talking to that guy over there or doing this or that? And I'm like, no, like, right. that's not what I did while I was abroad in the first place. But also like, I don't know where you're getting this mindset that that's what happened. I'm sure maybe for some people it is, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know why you're, you're trying to pin that on me. Mm-hmm. Right. And, like constantly having to defend myself was so exhausting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, after this instant, I just kind of brushed it off thinking he had too much to drink. And, you know, we were both drinking that day and night. And I'm like, well, maybe he just overreacted because he had a little bit too much to drink and like it triggered something in him. I don't know. But all right, I guess I won't ever mention that I've studied abroad before or that I've traveled anywhere besides this location that we're currently at with you um and so that was like my first kind of tipping point of this is weird like I feel like we shouldn't be arguing like this right so early on but also like we're in a foreign country right now so far away from home and like if anything were to happen like I'm stuck here with you essentially like I don't really have a choice right um but then you know, we kind of just went on with our day. And in my mind, I was just kind of trying to process all these things that he just said to me as we're like on the beach and doing these excursions and trying to act like these conversations didn't just happen. But I was just wildly confused the entire rest of the trip. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was definitely, that was definitely when like my radar kind of went off that something was wrong. Um. 
but pretty short after pretty shortly after that i realized things were really 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 wrong uh the very first time he put his hands on me wow. um the second i kind of dropped on down onto the floor i just had this really weird internal feeling that that was too familiar for him he was able to kind of predict every movement that I would make to try and get out of under his grip. Mm. He was constantly one step ahead of me. And, and so I wasn't able to, um, until I was on the, on the ground and just wildly confused at how easy that was for him to do to someone, um, which was definitely terrifying, but even after the end of this, I found myself being the one to apologize for the way that I reacted to whatever he was doing to me um, every single time, which definitely shouldn't have ever and shouldn't ever be the case um, mm -hmm. to be the one apologizing for. I, I saw it on something, but you shouldn't ever apologize for the way that you're reacting to being abused. And mm -hmm. that put it so perfectly because that's what I was apologizing for. I was apologizing for the way that I was reacting to being abused. Mm -hmm. And whatever the issue was that caused him to be abusing me never got brought up. It was only ever the way that I was reacting that got brought up. And that was the problem, which is so backwards. Because right. um, the problem the problem should have been the fact that I was being physically abused, not, you know, talking about my experience studying abroad or whatever other small or non-existent problem he would make up uh, just to be able to do these things to me. Do you feel comfortable going into detail what you wrote here? Yeah. I, I mean, I can't, I don't know like how much, I don't know. Is, is that too much? Is that something that you want me to? No, we have an unfiltered podcast here and I have heard literally everything. So. All right. Um, so I really realized that something was wrong. The very first moment he put his hands on me shortly after that trip that I was just talking about. Um, he had me in a chokehold and my feet were just completely dangling in the air. And I remember trying to reach for my neck to like loosen his grip around me, but I couldn't move until the next moment when I was being slammed against the floor and just gasping for air, confused about what the hell had just happened. Um, he is, he's huge. He is way bigger than me. I'm five, nine. So like, I'm not small, but he is like six, 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 seven. Um, and so I still can't get over how easy it was for him to do that to me, even with how much bigger he is than me. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, he was just so comfortable with it and it was so familiar to him, which was terrifying. Mm -hmm. Every movement that I attempted to make, he was already one step ahead of me as if he knew what to expect because he'd done this before. And I knew something was really wrong once I found myself being the one to apologize for the way that I reacted to being abused about a problem that never even happened or never even existed in the first place, mm -hmm. uh, time after time. Uh, 
I was apologizing for crying while I was being choked because it was my fault that the argument that got bad or whatever the issue was, I was the one apologizing for my reaction. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw a family member post something on her social media page about part of her story surviving psychological abuse, which opened me up to my own searches, trying to find answers for why I felt so crazy and why see why things between us seemed to have gone from that absolute fever dream to the worst thing of my life in the blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. um, and that is really what opened me up to what an abusive relationship really was. Yeah, I think that's absolutely terrifying. Uh, we've had quite a few stories of women who have been choked on the episodes and it's always something that is just I think very grueling just because I don't know if you've ever done any like research into like the actual psychology of choking and like abusive men who choke and like the power and almost the off that they get um they get off from like choking a woman um because it's like a control of like their breath um and it significantly increases the chances of you losing your life when somebody chokes you. Absolutely. And so it's very terrifying. And to go from having like this incredible experience to this person, literally withholding your breath, choking you is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And just the way that he was able to contort my body, you know, with one arm around my neck and then using his other hand on my face to cover my mouth and my nose at the same time. So I, I didn't even have that airflow. Mm. Um, it, it was just obviously absolutely terrifying and it hurts. It's not comfortable. Mm. Um, it hurts. And then seeing the look on his face, I mean, that look is something that I will never, ever, ever be able to get out of my mind, mm. but it was always a look of accomplishment or joy or excitement mm. afterwards, which was even scarier knowing that this was exciting to him. Right. Seeing me in this state where I'm, you know, at this point on the ground, quite literally gasping for air. Mm. It is sickening. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> we talk about that quite a bit here in this space um like moments of like deep pain or physical abuse and the look of like we talk about hollow eyes a lot um so kind of like no one's home um mm -hmm. or just a look of like almost arousal of like excitement that that they're like causing pain towards somebody and it's really scary because i think once you when you see someone's like when you see someone's reaction like that it's really not something you can ever unsee in my opinion. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Like the, I have experienced very similar, like, uh, kind of for me, it was like, I remember one time, um, when I was married, he, uh, it was like a newly married and I was like weeping on the floor just beside myself. And I remember looking and looking up because I heard him chuckling and he was staring across the room and he had this smirk on his face, like this smirk. And I remember being like, are you, are you laughing? And he was like, you know, just kind of blew it off. But I remember thinking like this person who I love 
is chuckling, is smirking at my absolute grief. That's not fucking normal. Like that's weird and creepy and scary. And so anyways, to just add to this, I think it's like, it sounds like there was something definitely like mentally, like psychologically going on also with him, this guy that you're, you were dating. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I can count, count, I know countless times where I was in that same position where I was hysterically crying on the floor in, you know, his closet and his bathroom in my own closet, wherever I was. And he was either laughing or proud of the way that he had made me react. Right. Which just makes it so much, it just feeds into that confusion of if this is funny to him, like, am I, am I overreacting? Is this supposed to be funny right now? And I'm not supposed to be feeling the way that I am. It just leads into so much more confusion and doubt. Right. Over everything overall. Mm. Yeah. I think it's also the part where you write here that you were Googling, right? You were, is that what it yeah. says? Yeah. Googling. I think that's just like, I don't know. That's just so wild to me. I'll never get over this like aspect of like when you're in an abusive relationship and you're trying to navigate what's happening. And it's like when you're out of it or for people looking from the outside, looking in, it's very apparent. But when you're in it, it's so confusing. And Google was like my best friend during all four years of my marriage, because I would constantly be like trying to Google what was happening or if anybody else has experienced this or like almost trying to like figure out what was happening to me, even though it was like so apparent that like it was abuse, like this is abuse, you know, but Googling and trying to like find answers. I feel like a lot of us, like when you have to Google, is somebody abusive? Like they're, they're abusive. Like if you're having to Google shit like this, then like anyone who's listening, like you probably need to take a step back and reevaluate and talk to people who are trusted mentors or friends or family and figure out a plan to like remove yourself from that situation because a safe relationship isn't going to require you to Google whether or not you are safe. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like, I was constantly Googling, like, why do I feel crazy in my relationship? Mm. What? Like my mindset was, he's not hitting me. He's not punching me. Like, this doesn't seem like abuse. Like what really is going on? Like, I mean, yeah. Like when my brothers fight sometimes, like they play around and like, I grew up in a big family and like sometimes they'd like play around and just be like, haha, this is so funny. And so I didn't really think that what he was doing to me was ab abuse for a very long time until I was Googling and looking at all those, you know, Pinterest graphics of this is what an abusive relationship looks like. This is, you know, the four different styles of communication. This is this, this is this, this is what all these different terms mean that I've never even heard of in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And all of it clicked instantly. It it just made so much sense, which was comforting, but also terrifying knowing that this, this isn't something that is unique to only me. This is something that seems very textbook and is common. I don't want, I don't want to say common, but is, is common enough where people are posting about this online. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely just, I dove into the, the Google, the Google rabbit hole a lot uh, to just try and understand what the hell was going on. Yeah. In what ways did you feel like you coped during this time? Um, I 
I picked up a very hefty handful of really unhealthy coping mechanisms while I was dealing with, while I was dealing with it, while I was in it, but also dealing with the aftermath, aftermath of the abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lost a really, a pretty significant amount of weight by the end of the relationship. And after I was out of it, I struggled with binge eating and purging once I realized what I had done. Um, I was self-medicating basically daily just because I wanted to numb absolutely everything physically and mentally. I had completely isolated myself. I hyperfixated on trying to figure out what had just happened to me. Um, basically Googling everything and reading book after book after book. And then, you know, I was neglecting basic human tasks. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I was hardly working. And I was really just scraping by hoping that someday things, you know, would be better. Yeah. I feel like binge eating is something like I see a lot, um, isolating all these things, like super common. Um, also did the same things. I didn't purge, but I binge ate a lot. Um, and I feel like something that's really beautiful though about this as well is like I remember seeing this post and it talked about how like the ways in which you coped your body was like trying to keep itself alive and Mm -hmm. I thought that was really sad but also really beautiful because even in binge eating I think like I mean I don't know my body changed a lot when I was in that abusive relationship and then it took a long time to like kind of undo the harm that I had done to it or just even it it was just I think you naturally just kind of I don't know like if this is the right word but you like rot like you're like your body is just not functioning properly because you're so stressed out and then you're having a heightened nervous system and you're navigating like having to compartmentalize to just cope with life and so you your body doesn't know how to handle that because it wasn't made to be under high amounts of stress like that and so it picks up binge eating or self-medicating isolating and really what it's doing is it's actually trying to do you a favor it's trying to keep you alive but those are unhealthy coping mechanisms off obviously um but sometimes as hard as that is to see see those things and be like yeah i binge ate ate way too much or I gained a lot of weight or I was like self-isolating myself and not spending time around people like you your body was really just doing what it could to protect you yeah even though I think it's said perfectly yeah yeah um okay so I know we talked a little bit about how you coped how do you feel like it manifested in your daily life Um, while I was in it, I was constantly worried about and focused on covering up the physical marks on my body. Um, this was really hard when it was the middle of summer and I would be wearing so many different layers just to cover up marks on my body that you could see if I were to be wearing a t-shirt or, you know, not having giant hoodies around my neck to cover my neck, um, for work. I was still wearing masks. So that was super helpful to hide the marks on my jawline or on my face. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of my clients, you know, had never even seen me from underneath the mask. They, you know, if we had a meeting on, 
on Zoom, they were shocked seeing what my face looked like underneath the mask. All they had seen were eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was definitely really hard. And then it was, it was hard finding myself constantly lying to coworkers, to clients, to my boss, uh, and even to doctors about the marks. If they were able to see them and commented on them, Um, to the point where I was lying so much and so frequently about what happened that I almost started to believe the lies, even though I knew the truth behind those marks and why they were there. Um, I, towards the end of the relationship, I had no relationship with my family or my friends. I had no idea who I was or what I was supposed to be doing, um, so there were there were physical effects on my body, obviously, and then the mental effects were so challenging to deal with. Um, there were times, as sick as it is to even say, that I wished that the physical abuse was somehow worse in hopes that what was going on mentally wouldn't hurt as much as it did because the physical marks, you could see them um, and you could you could see as they were healing and once they went away, they were away. But mentally you couldn't see what was going on, uh, which was, it was just so hard to, to navigate that, um, that side. And at, you know, throughout this point, I had been diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and PTSD. Mm -hmm. And so managing the symptoms of all of that was a whole new set of challenges and I was just living in that constant state of fear and the hypervigilance and that, you know, aroused nervous system where mentally I couldn't wrap my head around what I had just experienced and was stuck in that cycle of shame and guilt and embarrassment. Hmm. Yeah. I like that you touched on the hypervigilance part because you really do become like hypervigilant when you experience abuse. And then that translates to even, I mean, your central nervous system um, misfiring. And as you remove yourself from that situation, even though you're out of it, or like you said, even though the bruises heal and you can't see them, there's still this sense of like a hyper awareness that you have post abuse, Mm -hmm. or even if you're in it and you're just walking about daily life and it kind of makes you feel like you're going crazy. Absolutely so out of sorts um what would you say was like the climax of your story where did Um, you hit the fan (laughs) this this is a this is a tough one yeah um I think I would say that the climax was probably on a trip to New York with him um a couple months before this he had already sent me to the hospital and so my family kind of knew about his past um and my friends knew about his criminal history of abuse from this hospital visit um but out of that fear of retaliation and shame and the mental confusion um I didn't end up leaving him after he sent me to the hospital and I went I went back to the relationship because I was scared of what might happen if I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but in New York, a couple months after this, things were absolutely horrible between us. I almost didn't get onto the airplane 
obviously I wish I didn't. Um, one of his roommates was there with us. And so when we were with him, I just had to kind of sit there and pretend things were fine when they absolutely weren't. Um, but during the flight, I didn't speak to him once. He threw the book that I was reading at me um, because he was mad that I wasn't talking to him. He like grabbed it and read the back cover of it and was doing that weird, like trying to yell thing, but not actually yelling because you're on a plane and you can't yell. Right. Like trying to talk to me and ended up typing out this huge note on his phone, freaking out at me about the book that I chose to bring with me to read on this plane. Um, the book was, it ends with us. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what I was getting into when I grabbed that book. I went into my sister's room before I left, grabbed a book and went on my way. I had no idea what to expect from it, but I read almost the entire thing on that flight. And it truly opened my eyes to something that I was so not prepared for. Um, but I I saw myself in that book and knew then that I needed to do something. Mm. Um, are you, are you familiar with the book? It ends with us. I'm not, but didn't they just make a show about it? They are making a movie about it right now. So it, it ends with us as about an abusive relationship. Oh. I had absolutely no idea. Um, and then there's another book that came out shortly after. I don't remember when it was. It was some point in the past two years it came out called It Starts With Us. And it's like a prequel to that book. Okay. Um, but they're filming the movie It Ends With Us right now. Hmm. And How so I would pick a book that has like abuse in it. Like. Yeah. Did he know what the book was about? Only from reading the back of the cover. Okay. And like, I had absolutely no idea. I knew it's a Colleen Hoover book. I knew that I've liked her books in the past and my sister had just got the book. She's like, well, I have this new one. Like, here you go. And I grabbed it. And it was just so crazy reading through it and being like, this is exactly, almost exactly what is going on with me currently. Hmm. Um, and like, I was literally glued to that book. Like I was flying through this thing mm. and it, it was just, it was, I mean, it was crazy. And then obviously him freaking out over the book that I chose as if I chose it on purpose. Right. Um, I mean, he thought I did, but I, I, I didn't. Um, and so that definitely contributed to him being even more mad at me than he was before we got on the plane. But right after we got off we got into our own uber his roommate was going somewhere else we were going to our hotel and that's where he just started howling out these insults and slurs and names and things that i had never even heard of in my entire life and mm -hmm. i wanted absolutely nothing to do with that i would at this point was already past my breaking point of i i can't continue to hear these things i'm done um I was trying to schedule an Uber to take me back to the airport to get the next flight back to Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, but he grabbed my phone away from me. Wouldn't let me do that. I continued just hurling these insults. I mean, A plus for creativity. I will give him that. The the creativity of mine that went into these insults, it was there, but Damn. it was just sickening the things that he was able to come up with. Yeah. Um, and I felt bad for this poor Uber driver having to listen to it. Oh, wait, Ooh, you were in the Uber? Yes, in Why the Uber. Why did I miss that? Okay, 
you're in the Uber and he's hurling insults at you. Yes. <gasps> what was the Uber driver doing? Was he just like listening? Just like looking straight. Like I could see him in the rearview mirror and he looked up at me once and then just kept on looking straight. Interesting. And I'm like being called a swine and a horrible wench and like all of these like insane things. And I'm just sitting there and I'm not reacting to any of it because whenever I'd react, it would just get so much worse. So I'm just sitting there like, I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. And he's just going off and off and off. And I'm like, once we get back to the hotel room, then you can have my phone right now. Sure. Once we get back, I'm going to order an Uber and I'm going to go back home because I do not want to be here. Did he know? Like, did you say that to him? Yeah. Okay. And he flipped. Absolutely flipped. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of just sat there in silence for the rest of the ride. And I was just sitting there. I grabbed my book out again and I started reading my book. We got back to the hotel and he like tried, you know, doing what he did and saying things are going to get better. And that whole spiel of me ending up apologizing for not talking to him on the plane and choosing the wrong book and making him so angry. Mm. Um, And then we go to our dinner reservation and his roommate met up with us there again, having to kind of act like things were totally normal. Things weren't at one point during dinner. He like is very clearly mad at me, but isn't acting mad at me because his roommate's sitting right next to him. So he, forces his roommate to leave the table and like go to the bathroom and so his roommate leaves so that he can sit there and like berate me at this table at a very nice restaurant and his roommate's standing around the corner and like I can see him but my ex's back was facing him and so I see him standing there like kind of with his arms just like can I come back now and I'm just sitting there like no like thing no you can't my I wasn't saying anything but like I was just kind of shaking my head um he ended up finally coming back like way too long later. It's, no one should have to be in the bathroom that long for someone to get yelled at at the table. It's very concerning. Right. Um, but after dinner, we ended up going to some bar. And when we were there, I wasn't allowed to talk to any of his friends that we somehow met up with there because they were boys and I wasn't allowed to do that. Um, I couldn't talk to the bartender because it was also a boy. I couldn't talk to my ex because he was talking to his friends. And so I kind of just sat there and then like got yelled at for being quiet and making him look bad because I wasn't doing anything as if I was allowed to do something. Um, So at this point, I kind of just, I asked to leave so that I could go to bed. I was tired. I did not sleep at all for nights leading up to this. Um, And all I wanted to do was just go to bed. And so... He comes with, we were back and I don't even get done taking my makeup off before he starts freaking out at me about, I honestly don't even know what started him freaking out at me. I'm pretty sure it was the same non-existent problem that he would freak out at every single time. Um, but it got to the point where I was just, I was like, we're done. Um, I'm breaking up with you. And at that moment, he absolutely lost it. Um, I was just getting thrown around the room left and right. I had tried to call 911 on my watch, but he chucked that across the room. My phone was already thrown somewhere else. Um, Once I told him the relationship was over and we were done, 
he grabbed my phone from wherever he'd threw it before, repeatedly chucked it at the ground, was stomping at it to the point where it was absolutely unrecognizable. I mean, it was bent in half. Um, the screen was shattered on both sides. There was nothing you could do with it. Um, he he was doing the same thing to me, basically. He was, you know, strangling me and choking me. That was his preferred method of abuse. He was chucking me across the room if I tried to get up. He was pinning me down on the floor, on the bed, against the walls, um, while I would try and kind of wiggle out of whatever he had me in. And I, at one point, was like kind of against the door slash wall, and I had one opportunity to scream, and I I screamed. Uh, as loud as I could. And I chucked my one free arm into the wall next to the door mm. um, before he had completely restrained me. Um, a few minutes after that, the hotel phone, like the phone in the room started to ring and he he took that that opportunity to get one last moment of strangling me and blaming me for what happened and got up to unplug the phone. And when he went to go unplug the phone, I went straight for the door. Um, and there was a worker and some other man that were standing there. Uh, my ex like kind of looked at me, looked at the door. I grabbed whatever of my stuff I could and just bolted out of there. I didn't even know where the elevator was. I just stormed out of that room. Um, the, the random man that was there came, like followed with me and the workers stayed at the room. Um, but eventually they all, they all came downstairs. The, the random man turned out to be the one that had went down there to get the worker. Cause he heard me scream, um, and took, a uh, he actually took a video of, what he'd done to my phone and of my ex walking out the doors to the hotel. And at this point, I had no idea what the hell I was supposed to do. I, I was in New York. I had never been to New York before. It was like 1.30 in the morning. I didn't have a phone. And I had no idea where I was supposed to go or what I was supposed to do. Um, and so I was able to get on my watch. I was able to get my or I was able to get his roommate's phone number. And I called him from my watch and kind of told him everything that had gone on. I used the hotel worker's phone and I called my brother because his girlfriend lived in New York at the time. And it took probably five calls to him uh, to wake him up to answer. And he was trying to call his girlfriend to get in contact with her to see if I could go to her place. Um. And so it was just, and it was just absolute chaos for a while trying to figure out what was going on. Um, the hotel worker was like, you can go back up there. He's gone. I won't let him up there. And I was just like, I want absolutely nothing to do with that hotel room in my entire life. I, I don't even want to be in here if I'm being honest with you. Um, and so his roommate and his girlfriend at the time, they ended up meeting me at the hotel room, at the hotel lobby. And we spent the next few hours trying to find where my exit went. Um, before he stormed out of the apart out of the hotel, he was saying how all he was going to do was go kill himself in the streets. And so his roommate was his best friend and 
was obviously terrified hearing that. And so um, it was, it was sick that even through all of this and what he had just done to me, I mean, it was a couple, it was definitely over an hour of me being strangled and thrown around in that hotel room, trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Um, and after all that, I'm still sitting here trying to find where he is in case he hurts himself. Yeah. Um, which is just sick. Um, the, the next morning I, I ended up meeting up with my brother's girlfriend and I stayed at her place and it was a nightmare the next morning trying to figure out how to, first of all, get a new phone, but then also all the like dual authentication things kept on going to my phone that was very clearly broken and like wasn't working to get my flight information and just so many different like logins, I guess, um, which was like almost impossible. But I ended up at the Apple store. Um, I didn't know they could quarantine you in the Apple store, but I was quarantined in the Apple store because they thought that I had battery acid poisoning. And huh. so they like took pictures of everything that had happened to my phone. They wouldn't let me take it back with me because they thought that it might like explode essentially. Um, and so I was able to get my phone and then I just went straight to the airport and I just begged for the next flight to Chicago. Um, at that point, this was like, I want to say, not even 12 hours after I'd got there. It was a very quick stay. Um, I got home and I couldn't get myself to like go back to my house. So I called my sister and I stayed with her and her husband and my nephew. And I just was kind of just trying to cover up like everything on my body, all the marks on my body and try to figure out what the hell had just happened. Um, and so I think that was, that was definitely the worst of it, but you know, after that, I, I, I returned to the relationship. I was scared of those threats and their harassment and the intimidation and what he might do to me or my friends or family or himself if I stayed away. Uh, so I went back. And from that point forward is when I had absolutely nobody. Okay, let's pause there. Um... Yeah. Um, I've been doing this for like, it'll be coming on two years and I've heard lots of stories like we're in our fifth season. And I think there's certain stories I hear that I feel like really impact my heart in like such a unique way. And this is definitely one of those stories. Um, and I would say that I've almost in some ways I have to really be mindful because I hear of abuse so often that it's like textbook abuse that you become desensitized to topics of abuse. And I'm always like constantly praying like that. I just have this like, or not, I don't want to say constantly praying, but more like I want to have this heart posture of like empathy towards like others abuse just because it's like textbook and these stories are like so similar to each other because the abuse is textbook um 
I think mm-hmm. it's rare that I like hear a story lately that I'm like really my heart just is impacted or I get really emotional and like listening to your story just made me super fucking emotional because it's like it's just like very scary for one also being in a place where you don't have like immediate access to leave um is very scary um mm-hmm. stuck and just, I mean, he would have taken your life. Like he was going to kill you. I mean, like it was a matter of time. And if it weren't for that man, like you had wrote that came to the door and rescued you. I mean, in his bout of anger and him spiraling out of control, he would have taken your life. Absolutely. And that thought is terrifying. Um, I mean, that man, he texted me the video. And so I had his phone number. And I mean, months and months later, I I reached out to him just thanking him for truly saving my life. Because if he didn't hear that scream and that I'm literally like making the same motion with my hand right now, banging against the wall that I, that I had that one opportunity to do, I wouldn't have been able to get out of that hotel room alive yeah I think that that's very um it's hard to hear like it's very raw and it's like that's why this space is here is to hold your story in a space because like the chances of you having a conversation just on the day-to-day basis with somebody like these conversations don't usually come up in conversation but it's like a very real thing that happened to you and shaped you and impacted you. And that's why I think that this space is so vital because it like keeps stories here and what happened to you like mattered and like what he did to you matters. And this is like a very real experience. This is your life. And I guarantee you there's going to be women listening to this and we're going to backtrack and I'm going to screenshot messages to you of women saying like, this happened to me or it's so crazy because like we got in a fight over this like really small thing and then he you know or he choked me and you know and it's like we need to hear this as a community of women and hear what's going on so that we can further identify with our own experiences because when you hear somebody else's experience it somehow validates your own experience to recognizing that like you almost get like tapped out of that gaslighting that we do to ourselves that we think that we're just overreacting or it's just our fault and we just need to apologize if we would just not be so argumentative or just be like a little bit more easy or not do this or that or not pick that one book and should have picked another book like and when we hear other people's experiences though it kind of like shakes us out of that because we recognize that we're not alone for one but also that these experiences aren't unique to ourselves and I just think your story is really powerful. I know we're not finished yet, but I just wanted to say that to you, just for you to hear that for yourself. Cause I'm sure it's not easy to like re talk about this experience and probably is really, I would assume wild to even talk about that experience because you're in such a different place now that you like, can't believe that this was actually like an experience you went through. Yeah. I mean, it's even just thinking about what had happened you know, throughout the relationship, but in New York or any of this stuff is, I wish that you could make this stuff up. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but you know, that's something I, I appreciate so much about your platform and people who share these things in general is I was one of those people who, when I was, you know, hyper fixated on trying to learn everything I could about abusive relationships and trying to process what had happened, I found so much comfort in hearing other people's stories and so much of that validation of this happened to someone else. This is also happening to me. Like this is real. This did happen. This is horrible. This is not my fault. Nobody deserved it, deserves this. That I didn't ever want to be silenced any more than I was. Um, and so whenever people ask me about things, I, you know, I am as open as they want to hear. Do they want to hear, you know, exactly how he was strangling me, which hand he used on my neck, which, you know, I will be as open as I can in hopes that, you know, maybe it's comforting to someone else to know that they're not alone in what they went through or that they didn't deserve it or that their story is valid. Um, but, you know, we're silenced so much that I I have from the start have been like, I can't, I can't stay silent about this forever. Yeah, I'm really grateful that like you are in this space and speaking out about it. Um, I want to jump back into your story where you said that you returned to him and kind of go back there. Mm-hmm. Um, this this was common. Um, you know, after anything would happen, I, you know, we would be done. I think after New York. Well, maybe a couple of days had passed until I had gotten to the point where I was scared of what he was going to do. Um, he was constantly messaging me. He was harassing me still. And, you know, saying what he was always saying of things can be, things can be good again. We can be back to what we were doing. All we have to do is, you know, spend time together and all these things. And I was still just so confused at what had just happened and once again found myself apologizing for the way that I reacted to being abused and and went back um he at this point I will never be able to get this message out of my mind but at this point he sent messages along the lines of like are we really done I'm going to permanently block you and delete you forever like you have nothing on my family, basically. And then he goes, lawyer up, girl, period. It's on, period. Legally, socially, everything. You're about to get a war. Wow. And I remember reading that and just being so confused because this was maybe two days after what he had just done to me. Right. And I was just so confused at what he thought he could do to me or to my family or anything, essentially, that knowing what he had just done to me in that hotel room. Um, but I, I mean, I was terrified and somehow was able to get roped back into being like, well, I don't want you to come after myself or my family. So I guess I'll take the better of the choices here and stay in this crappy relationship with you. If it means that you're not going to attack me or my family. Right. Um, and so I, I did. And 
I, it, that I just, that was, you know, like we talked about earlier, knowing the information, I took the information that I knew and I did what I thought at the time was the best choice. And what like continued to happen after that or what, you know? At that point, my family completely cut all contact with me. Um, They basically kind of had a conversation as I was packing my bags and about to leave to head down to the city where they were saying, you know, we care about you. I know that thing. They're like, we don't know what happened in that hotel room, but we know that something happened in New York and this isn't how relationships should be, blah, 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 blah. And I was standing there like, you guys have no idea what happened in that hotel room. Like, things are fine. If they weren't, I wouldn't be going back down there. And they're like, we know he already has another charge. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't know the story behind that. And I like spewed out the lie of a story he told me from his first charge. Um. And I was like, it's pathetic that you guys, you know, can't trust me to make a decision for myself and have to make this decision for me and blah, 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 blah. I ended up getting my car keys taken away from me. And I was like, that's not going to stop me. And so I still just Ubered down, stayed there. They had like some of my cousins and my aunts and uncles like track my location. And and they were texting me being like, we're outside, like, come out here. We love you. We care about you. Like, just come with us, like talk to us. Um, And so that only made my ex even more mad seeing my phone being blown up by my family members, you know, saying that they were at his apartment. Um, But that, that didn't really change anything. It just turned into me not spending any time at my house or talking to, you know, I couldn't talk to my family at all. Um, And so I really just was on my own uh, and with him. I think it's really hard for sure for family members to remain present with somebody who is blind towards abuse, but I think that it's really harmful for family to remove themselves from the situation. And just for like those who are listening, who may be listening for more insight, um, maybe they have a loved one who's in an abusive relationship. We do have an episode on season four when I did a panel of guests and uh, we talk about how as family and friends, we can walk through this process with somebody. So I'd suggest going and looking back at that. But um. I think it's really hard for family to be present alongside of someone who returns back to abuse because you see somebody essentially who you like, you can see what's happening from the outside, but they obviously cannot. And so it can get really frustrating and difficult, but tough love really isn't the type of love that somebody who's in abuse in an abusive relationship needs. They actually need a consistent, steady, unconditional love. And the reason for that is because you cannot stop somebody who's in an abusive relationship from going back. You just can't. And that's one of the hardest things about abuse. And even the girls I walk alongside, like there are so many who I know are in abusive relationships, but until they're ready, they're not going to leave. And there's, there's really nothing that you can say because it really does take them coming to the end of the rope. And you just, I literally pray like, I just, I pray that 
you know, they don't have a baby with this person or they don't get killed by this person, but like, they're not going to see it until they see it. And typically it's going to take them coming to the end of themselves. And that's really difficult for family and friends, but tough love, removing yourself from that situation just isn't what someone needs. They do need an unconditional love because there is going to come a point where they're going to get out and they're going to need support and they're going to need that unconditional love and support. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So you went back and your family cut you off in a sense. And then what happened? Um, it was actually a month to the day from where I got back from that trip from New York and to the day that I left for the last time. Um, and that, that day, October 3rd, I will always know that day. Um, we had went to a Bears game that day. Again, pretending that everything was fine, even though everyone knew it wasn't fine. Um, but this was the point where I I finally I finally left. Um I at this point truly believed that I was going to die that night. Um, at this point, I had already had absolutely nothing left in my life. Um, we got back from the Bears game and like kind of just hung around for a little while and then got to the point where we ordered food. And once the food got there and we went to his room, he just went off. And it had been hours of him arguing with me about the same problems over and over again that typically didn't even exist. Um, and then the physical abuse started again and I knew that I just, I, I couldn't do it again. Um, every time that he put his hands on me, I thought it was going to be that last breath that I took. And I remember at one point I was looking out the window in his bedroom, looking at all the lights and looking at the way that they reflected on the part of the lake that I could see and thinking that that was going to be my the last thing that I would see. Um, I was thinking that I, I was going to be killed and no one was going to know. No one was going to care. Um, no one was going to be there. And that thought of dying was horrifying. Um, I, I knew then that there would be nobody to save me. Um, and I had to get out of there myself if I wanted to live. Um, I had this weird feeling inside me that I was meant for more and that I needed to get out of there because I, I was meant for something bigger and not to sit there and be killed in his bedroom. Um, and that was just an overwhelming, an overwhelming feeling combined with the fear um, where I was able to take that and in that brief moment of pause between being able to st being strangled, I was somehow able to wiggle out, um, and kind of flail my body enough and make enough sounds for him to get off me and threaten to call me back, threaten to call 911 to send me back to the hospital again. Um, and the second he dialed 911 I knew that I could absolutely never do that again and be lined straight to the door um I knew once 
the door was open and I got into the hallway, if I if I made even any noise, his roommates would hear. And I would just hope that I just hoped that they could um, and would and would do something. Um, but that was the last time that I saw him. I was able to get out. Um, I he followed me out, was still trying to call 911. I grabbed whatever I could of mine that I saw and just beelined to the elevator. And once I got in the elevator, I just, I texted one of my friends who I knew was in Arizona at a different time zone. And I was just like, are you awake? Um, and, and called her immediately while absolutely broken down just to be on the phone with her to help make sure that I, I got home safe. Cause I had to drive home. Um, after that, he uh, was still contacting me and harassing me and trying to get me back with him and trying to go through that same cycle of, you know, saying how things would get better again, even though I was so confident that they weren't and it was not worth it to ever try and go back to that. Um, and and I and I didn't and I was able to to be strong enough this time to know this is not worth trying again we have tried we have gotten to that point where it's clearly not and i didn't want to ever fear the things that i feared while i was with him um for a few weeks after i'd left i was pretty confident that he was acting on the threats of continuing to hurt me and it took a while for me to go to the police um but weird things were happening my car was broken into and then like a little bit after that my brake lines were cut and so the, it was just weird things where like when my car was broken into he still had my location and I was at a place that we said we were going to go to together and then when my brake lines were cut like I was at my house and so I was just in I was just scared that he was he was acting on these threats of trying to hurt me and attack me because I wasn't going back to him. Um, and so that's when I finally went to the police and filed reports for my car, filed reports for domestic battery, um, and went to the courthouse to get an order of protection. Um and then finally, I, I reached out to the four other girls that he was in relationships with before me that I knew about um, just to see if what he had done to me was new or if this was common for him. Um, yeah. Wow. What... Um... I don't know if we're at this point. I think we are. What challenges have you faced in the aftermath? Or do you want to talk about a little bit more of the justice system or what where do you want to I can, yeah. Um this, you know, this wasn't his his first time dealing with the justice system. He had gone through this before. He knew what he had to do to win his case and he did. Um he recently was let off probation over a year early because he said that he wanted to move and the judge didn't want to do the paperwork that came with transferring the case. Um, 
I mean, I could go on for days about how horrible the justice system was in this case and how many loopholes I had to go through, even just to get the order of protection served and get an arrest made. Um, and then going through court for a criminal and a civil case for months and months and months um, just to end up basically not even getting heard um, and having him once again get let off freely. Um, the, I mean, the, the judge that I got didn't, didn't take into consideration anything. Um, the state's attorneys tried to get me to drop out of pursuing charges the day of the trial, um, which was just absolutely insane. Um, and then during the entire trial, all the judge cared about was whether or not her jury was there for her trial later that afternoon. Um, and during the three hours that I was on the stand, not once did they ask me what he had done to me physically. Um, they basically just tried spinning the story on me once again and focused on the facts that we had had some drinks that day instead. Um, and that, you know, it was just being overserved and that it was, it wasn't what it actually was and that it was, I shouldn't have been the one driving home that night because I had been drinking that day. Um, the way that they like twisted the story so much just to, to favor him was honestly pathetic. Um, but it was so hard figuring out how to try and live my life again after I felt like I was living in such a distorted sense of reality for such a long period of time. Um, it was just this this nightmare that I had no idea how to get out of. And then it's like I, you know, for so long I was left trying to get over. It's still a breakup. It's still a relationship that ends, which definitely still sucks, but also um, trying to process all of the abuse and trying to to figure out how to piece together everything in my life that had just come absolutely crumbling down. Um, and then, you know, for so long, attempting to kind of protect his name until I got to the point where I, I realized that I need to, I need to speak up about this. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was very, very heavily medicated for, for a while after, uh, just to get through, uh, the days as, as best as I could. Um, and was in pretty extensive therapy for a very long time. And two years later, I'm still trying to process everything that had happened. Um, I don't think this is ever going to be something that doesn't impact my day-to-day -day life. I know there's definitely days where it, it no longer controls me. And there are days where I, I see that light, but there are also those days where things still feel so hard and still feel you know, similar to the way that they did while I was in this, but I can see now that those days are so much more minimal and they impact me so much less um, as the time has gone on. But it it's something that, you know, completely shaped my entire life moving forward. I think it's absolutely 
horrid and disgusting how the court system just completely disregarded your experiences. Uh, not surprised at all. That's like on par for the judicial system. And they hear these stories all the time. And it's, I mean, like you said, they don't want to, they don't want to deal with it. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's why I just like continue to say this, but I like love this space really because it's like your story matters. What happened to you matters. And like more than not the injustice that happens and nobody's nobody fucking cares and it's like it just happened to you and then all of a sudden it's like well it's done now you're out of the relationship and then you're like left scrambling to try and like cope with life and like life doesn't stop for you jobs don't stop for you rent doesn't stop for you and family may not fully understand it friends may not fully understand it and it's like you're kind of like just almost like I I wrote this piece one time um early on like about an oxygen tank and how they make you feel like you need their oxygen tank to breathe. And mm-hmm. so you're like constantly attached to them because they have what you need to survive. And then one day you break free and then you realize, oh shit, I can breathe on my own. Like my lungs can literally breathe. Um, but you've been so conditioned to think that you need this oxygen tank to, to survive that it's actually really hard to breathe on your own after because you're like so used to that tank. And on top of that, having a justice system that does not obviously secure justice for you. And then he's just walking around roaming free and you're having to worry, okay, who's the next victim? Because there will be one. There is one. (laughs) And um, it's terrifying. But how do you feel like you were able to, through this, sort of like regain your life back? what steps did you take to really kind of like own your life and cultivate and how are you doing that right now? What does that look like for you? Um, I, it, it took a while, but I slowly started reaching out to my friends who I had no longer had relationships with while I was in the relationship with him. Um, and just slowly opening, kind of opening up what had just happened um there's a handful of friends in particular who have been with me through through all of it um you know one of them in particular came with me to every in-person court hearing she continues to do so and just being able to lean onto them what was super helpful to not only process these things but know that they still were in my life. And if they were one of the friends that all of a sudden that, you know, didn't want to have anything to do with me again afterwards, that tells me all I needed to know about them. Um, But I, I value my relationships with my friends so much more knowing that they're able to withstand something as horrific as this and how much they can help support me. And they helped get me back out into going out in public again and doing things that absolutely terrified me and just getting me back to myself as a person, um, not just, you know, contained to him has been, you know, incredible. And there's still things that I do to this day where I'm like, I haven't done this since I was with him. This is, it's very freeing now to be like, I am 
capable of recreating these memories and experiences in a way that I want them to be, um, which is incredible. And it's just so fun being able to have all of these positive memories now to be like, hey, I couldn't do this before and I can do this now. Or the last time I was at this place was with him and now I'm here surrounded by so many people that I love and that love me and I'm having way more fun and having such a better time now than I could have ever had with him. Um, and it's it's been a slow process, but there's definitely still times where I, you know, I realize, hey, I wasn't allowed to do this before. Like I, I can do this. And so I do. And sometimes it's the stupidest things. Like the very first time I noticed it, I was taking my dog out for a walk for the first time. And I absolutely broke down in the middle of the street because I was like, I wasn't allowed to take my dog out for a walk before. And I'm doing it right now and having so much fun. Um, and it's like the best thing ever. And like literally just broke down and my dog's just like having the time of his life too. Like, yeah. as he would just, you know, hanging out in the neighborhood. But like those feelings, even, you know, two years later, still come back of just gratitude for where I am now and the um, a lot of therapy and a lot of meds to help me get to this point where I don't let him or the fear of him control everything that I do. Um, a really big piece of that was I ended up moving in the middle of actually just over a year ago today. I moved on January 1st last year. Oh, okay. Um, and signing that lease was the biggest thing that I could do because I knew it was in an area. I knew he, his lease was up. I don't know where he moved to. I figured it was in the same area that he was at when I was with him. But the apartment that I signed was in a pretty close area. And... I knew that if I didn't sign that lease, I would regret it because I knew that I wouldn't sign it out of the fear of him. And so being able to sign that and know I'm not letting him control me anymore was such a big step in my recovery, I guess, or, you know, figuring things out post-abuse, post-relationship. Um, but you know, we're still learning, we're still going through things and just really processing, you know, what had happened, how even on the days where everything seemed like it was absolutely still crumbling down and horrible and no hope for anything to come. Those days are so few and far between that everything is just so flipped now. And even though those days definitely still come, they're not the vast majority of them that they used to be. And I know that I can, I can get through it and I have those people in my corner to help me. And I know what I need to do. Right. Um, can you kind of tap into how you expanded on your community and social media and kind of like your visions and dreams moving forward? Yeah. Um, so when I started on social media, I literally just posted a video and like, I don't know what made me like start to, but I really, really heavily relied on social media while I was going through a lot of this. And 
kind of turned it into a lot of that support from domestic violence survivors and just abuse in general to kind of also floating into my job as a speech therapist. And so I posted a video from one of my speech sessions and it absolutely blew up. And like, it's so cliche to say, like, I never knew that this would happen, but like, I truly never did. Um, and so I kind of took that and I'm like, hey, if people like this, maybe they'll like more of what I have to share. Right. Um, and like, I wasn't allowed to have, I wasn't even allowed to have social media apps when I was in that relationship. So like posting in general was something that I was super scared to to do in the first place. But once I realized that that many people had seen it and interacted with it, I, I kind of just took that and jumped with it and continued posting and have continued to post. Um, and I don't remember how long it took for me to like share a snippet of a video. I want to say it was around Thanksgiving where I kind of opened up a little bit about my past relationship just because it it kind of felt like I was hiding something. I had already grown this platform of, if I'm thinking correctly, I want to say I had like 16,000 followers at this point on TikTok. And it felt like I was kind of hiding a part of me because all I talked about was my job as a speech therapist. Right. And it was like around Thanksgiving and I was just really overwhelmed with how grateful I was to be out of that relationship and have this social media platform to kind of lean on and see how many people value what I have to say and enjoy what I have to share. Um, and knowing that like they helped me get to where I am. Mm -hmm. And I like posted a video and it kind of explained where I was a year before, where it was like a little bit about the abuse. Mm -hmm. And that just really opened up the platform to that. And like sharing that and being so vulnerable on that page just opened up a lot more connections and I mean, it's heartbreaking reading some of the comments on these posts yeah. just because it's it's sad, you know, knowing how many people can relate. Right. But it also brings in so much connection at the same time, um, which is something that's super special. And so I've had a couple of videos since then that I've I've shared. Um, I don't share a ton about it on my page, but I have a handful of videos that I've shared about my past relationship because it truly has shaped me and been a huge part of me creating that social media platform. Um, but every time I do it, it's, it, it's, it just gets really overwhelming of, you know, the love that everyone has to give. And then knowing what I've been able to create from absolutely nothing. Uh, it's hard to even think about like what my vision is or dreams moving forward, just because I never could have imagined that this is where I would be right now. Um, it's weird thinking back at that feeling that I had while I was in his bedroom that last night, that overwhelming feeling of feeling like I was meant for something more. And this feels like it might be that, um, sharing on social media has been so much fun. And this past year I've grown a ton on both, on all my accounts and definitely could not have imagined that, um, but just seeing the growth that I've made, you know, in this past year, it's hard to even imagine what else might happen. Um, it's kind of just shown me that like no dream is too big and just pushes me to want to do more and share more and 
no matter what I think of, it might seem like the absolute craziest idea, not possible or whatever. I'm able to kind of be roped in and be like, hey, I didn't even think this was possible. I can make that possible if I work towards it, mm-hmm. um, which is just super exciting because it it just lets my brain kind of spiral off into a million ideas of what I would like you know, not just my social media presence to turn into, but what I would like with my actual life as me uh, as well. Yeah, I came across a video on TikTok for Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and I saw your video, and I was like, who is this? Like, who is this girl? Um, <laughs> and then I think we connected through that. Um, and I was like, I need to, I need your story on the podcast. Like I need, I was like, I don't know who this girl is, but I, I was reading all the texts from that video and I was just like so moved and I thought it was just like so powerful. Um, and it's really wild, like how like social media works. And, um, I don't know, I'm just really excited for you and excited to see like where it takes you and I think it's really beautiful like just the platform that you have I think is really neat but also just sharing that with your community because it really is something that like it was just not talked about I mean 10 years ago people just don't they weren't talking about that like being on a social media platform and sharing this like we were just in the realm of like highlights and like what are our life highlights and kind of like we have all of our lives together and we look great and we have these achievements or this really great relationship. And I, there's definitely people still upholding the highlight reel, but I think people are getting more and more disgusted by it. And they're more moved by the grief, the pain, the very real raw topics that are surfacing, whether it be mental health or suicide prevention or abuse awareness. And so I really think it's powerful and I love that you had made that video because we wouldn't be sitting here if I would never have found you. Um, so, yeah, I think it's amazing. And I think your story is really powerful. And I'm just like super, super honored to have it in this space. Like, honestly, your story is one of my favorite stories I've ever heard. Um, and it's obviously like I wouldn't want to hear this story from anybody. It's extremely painful to listen to. But at the same time, it's just like. I don't know. Your story has really touched my heart. And it's like one of the most like, I don't know. I don't really know what it is, but I just feel very connected towards your story. And um, I just want you to know that it's just so wildly brave um, to speak about your story. And it's, it's incredible to think like a year ago, that transition of like, signing that lease and then being now a year later on a podcast for domestic abuse survivors sharing your story publicly and at one point to think like you were googling you know you am I crazy is this what is happening to now being able to identify what happened to you is really fucking powerful and you're taking back that ownership and just because like the court didn't solidify that or grant that justice you in your own way are regaining your life whether that be through very small actions like taking your dog out for a walk or I don't know like talking to the bartender and ordering a drink for yourself like whatever it may be um 
and you're in your own ways regaining your life back and you have that justice that you are creating for yourself despite the judicial system not securing that for you because they are an absolute piece of shit and so all of that being said i'm really proud of you i'm really grateful for you in this space and i'm really looking forward to your story airing because i just know that it's going to impact hearts it's already like impacted mine and definitely left a mark on my heart for literally ever so i'm just super grateful that you're in this space so thank you for coming on and like just yeah, being willing to talk about your story with me. Thank you for having me. I mean, it is incredible how we've been able to connect like this. Um, and just knowing the space that you hold for others, I I feel honored to be chosen to share my experience uh, with your platform like this. Um, it, it's just an incredible, incredible experience. And like I like I've said probably ten times, I could have never imagined a year ago that I would like you said, be sitting here on a podcast, on a podcast about this after Googling and trying to become, you know, master of Google, figuring out everything that I had gone through. Um, It's just incredible. So I appreciate you and thank you for, you know, wanting to listen to what I have to say. Yeah, no, of course. Um, All right, guys, if you want to follow along with, um, like with your story, do you want to go ahead and just give your social media uh, handle so they can follow along? Sure. Okay. I don't know it off the top of my head, so you want to just say it. Do you want me to like? Do you want me to say it, spell it out, or like, is there anything yeah, you want maybe, to say? Maybe spell it out. Yeah. Um, peds s l p p e d s underscore s l p. Perfect, and it's not under Elena's name. We realized that <laughs> you Google her name, you can't find it. Um, so uh, follow along with her journey. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to see where life takes you and just super grateful for you in this space. Um, if you guys have been impacted by this story, we love to hear how. Um, so feel free to reach out to me or Elena and share the story like with others and you know, this may be the very thing that someone needs to be able to identify with it and to really put a name to what's happening to them. Um, if this podcast has impacted you, of course, like I say, the ratings, um, so going towards Spotify or Apple Podcasts and just writing a review, it really helps people to see how it's impacted you, but also increases the chances of others coming across the podcast as well. Um, I love you guys so much. Tune in next Monday for Mama Mondays and then on Thursday for the next episode of A Survivor's Story. Love you guys.